of Yahweh. Thank you again for yet another opportunity to be in your treasury, to draw from your treasure your blessings and using me as a conduit to pour out to others, to they that have an ear, Father God, and to brothers and sisters that already believe to help guide. Thank you, Father, for the opportunity. They that have an ear and have not accepted that Jesus Christ is your only begotten Son, that they take the opportunity to do so. Father, that I am about your business. Thank you for this chance. Abba Yahweh Amman, Yeshua Amman, So, today, I've got several things that the Holy Spirit is uh, kind of stirring up in me here because of things that I'm seeing going on out and around us and things out here in this world. And um, in particular for a term that was used biblically and for this. And I see that um, I'm going to share actually from an important book of the Bible in the book of Acts. Um, Acts of the Apostles and those that he called. The book of Acts is kind of a... um, running commentary on the various things that the apostles were doing once Jesus was crucified and had gone and what they, that what they were doing. And in a particular one section here in, in uh, Acts chapter eight, I share with you because I've mentioned this, that when Jesus Christ died, it is by the grace of God that Jesus Christ was offered as a sacrificial lamb for our sins, for our sake, to, pardon me, rescue, save us. And uh, there are those that would say, well, save us from what? Well, how about save us from ourselves? You've heard that terminology before. You need to be saved from yourself because that person is so working in such an egregious manner and is filled with arrogance and self-worth that nobody or nothing matters except that person, man or woman. But we get that way, arrogant, that they are so self-centered. There are a number that I have heard sharing before how we are our own God and everything that we provide that we do for ourselves and we can be and we can be and we can be. And then they switch the narrative and it goes to I did this and I did that and I, 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 and I am self-made. Well, let me share this with you that there is no such thing as a self-made man or woman who is a multimillionaire, there are those that would claim that. But let's think a little bit. When they first started out, where were they? Nowhere. They had some money loaned to them so that they could start a business idea. Or there was someone that helped them get the business started. And there's a certain individual and I'll relay the story, but um, not mention the name. I don't want to do that. But, I mean, this person was working in partnership with somebody. They were working out of the garage. 
And that person stole their idea and made multi, multi, multi billions of dollars. But wasn't working alone, was not self-made, although I have heard declaration from this individual that he was a self-made man. Well, what about his partner? Where was his partner? The partner helped him develop the information and knowledge. And you have a lot of people that are like that. You have individuals that get up on those um, platforms and they're the motivational speakers and talk about self taking care of self, taking care of self needs. And they don't, it is so contrary, so hypocritical that they are not self-made. They've developed a knack for being able to talk they have a verbal charisma and people will listen and they get paid thousands of dollars for going to speak at companies, you know, to get their employees up there and get them all motivated for the company's ideals. Kind of shameful, actually. I believe it to be. They put their needs over everyone else's, which is completely contrary to biblical teaching. When Jesus is talking about taking up their cross and follow him and being prepared to die, he's not necessarily talking about physical death. Jesus Christ is talking about being willing to allow your worldly man, the way that we are, naturally and caring more for ourselves than other people that's there is a natural event that takes place on this plane of existence that we're in it does there are individuals that have always put others first there are some of those individuals and many are not even claiming the title of christian they just do it because it's the right thing to do but the reality is that there are more that are opposite of that, sadly. But Jesus Christ is talking about being willing to pick up the cross and follow him and to lay down our earthly selves and put others ahead of us. And we need to be willing to do that. So back to the book of Acts. Um and I brought that portion up with, the, with uh, Jesus Christ coming to sacrifice himself, be the sacrificial lamb, and that this was a gift by grace of God and nothing that we can do can buy this. And I bring that up because in 817 of the book of Acts, we have an incident that takes place that calls this to mind. Starting in verse 17, Then laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. And when Simon, now Simon was one of those individuals that was getting paid to be a spiritual leader. Interesting. And, and if you look at the Pharisees, there were certain members of Sanhedrin that were established as exorcists and demon chasers. They got paid for their services. They got paid to exorcise demons. They got paid 
to chase away those demons. They were paid for their service. It wasn't done because it was the godly thing to do or led of the spirit to do it. They, they wouldn't even listen to Jesus Christ when he came and spoke to them. They got paid for their services. So Simon, this man Simon, I remember we get kind of confusing sometimes because back in there you had, you had Simon Peter and there was another Simon. There was also a Simeon. And then we have this man who is called Simon. And he used sorcery and bewitching incantations so that in Samaria, in, their, in the village there, uh, he was getting paid for this. He was getting paid. And he had uh, kind of indoctrinated the folks for that idea. <clears throat> But he had used that. And when uh, the apostles, they were going to go actually to Samaria and was going to preach to them, but were turned away <coughs> because of uh, the acts of Simon. And this individual was using sorcery and bewitchment and and gave them, uh, so they paid him. But anyway, back over here, point. And instead of going to that city, they, they turned and went to Jerusalem. And they were teaching, preaching there, baptizing. And when the apostles had heard in Jerusalem and they're teaching that that what was going on in Samaria, that Peter and John were gone to see, investigate, so to speak, what was going on. And when when they had come down, they prayed for them uh, and receiving the Holy Ghost. And that that all had not taken place as yet when it came down. And in verse 17... And then they laid their hands on him, and they received the Holy Ghost. So in their praying, Peter and John, when they were praying, because you remember back uh, a little earlier that the Holy Ghost had come on to the disciples. And they shared that, and there were others that were all involved. And when Simon saw that through laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost was given he offered money, saying, Give me this power that on whomsoever I lay my hands he may receive the Holy Ghost. But Peter rebuked him, said unto him, Thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. <clears throat> Remember, I shared this with you, brothers and sisters, and those of you out there that are listening who have not made that decision yet. 
that this gift of Lord Jesus coming as our sacrificial lamb and dying on the cross for us was a gift. It was done freely and not bought for. And there is nothing that any of us can do in any lifetime, in many lifetimes. It doesn't matter if you earn money every single day of your life and that you go into another lifetime and do so there that you actually have the audacity to believe that that money can repay what Jesus Christ did, stepping off the throne in the kingdom of heaven, voluntarily coming to our plane of existence, voluntarily not liking it because Jesus didn't. He even in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he was praying to God, he prayed in such earnestness and such with such fervor that he bled. He burst the capillaries in and around his face so that he was bleeding. He was in deep, hard prayer. He didn't want to go. He said, Father, if there be any other way, take this cup from me. And then turned right around and said, not my will, but thy will be done. And he went to the cross and was crucified. He did the will of his father. Fulfilling prophecies that the Sanhedrin read and knew of, but yet in their arrogance, they chose to ignore. Do you have the audacity to believe that any amount of money in our temporal earnings can possibly pay for Jesus Christ coming off the throne of heaven, being cared for by angelic hosts, and being in spiritual contentment that he stepped off that throne, came to this plane of existence, which is a dark, bleak place? And truthfully, yeah, you can look around and see a lot of pretty things, But brothers and sisters, and they out there that are listening, it is a dark place. Look at how we treat one another, let alone the animals. That God declared you that the prophets speak to the nation and tell them that anyone that does this unto these creatures that I have made, I have created, for no good reason makes me angry. You look around in the streets and you see these abandoned animals. You see people that take them out and throw them in the creeks and rivers and, and they have even thrown them in bags so and dropped them on the highway so that they would be hit by traveling cars or trucks. I mean, and then you turn around, you look what people do to their own families, to other individuals. They don't want to take care of them, so they take them and they put them in some of these nursing homes, supposed to be nursing homes, which are supposed to care for them, but they treat them terribly. They steal from them. They beat them up. They do nasty, terrible things. We're supposed to take care of one another. Jesus Christ stepped off of his throne in heaven and came to this broken, dark, bleak place to save us. From what? Ourselves. Hello? Not difficult to see this. Look around and see how we do to one another. Jesus Christ came and did this. There's nothing, nothing, no amount of money, no amount of lifetimes of earning that we could 
earn enough to possibly repay God for what he did and to repay Jesus for what he did. I go in as treasure. I've shared this vision that God gave me that I, I sweep all this information and these things, these, these scriptures are out of his treasury, the treasury being the Bible. It doesn't matter how many times I go in and I take and I scrape all this off into a basket to come out and share and I turn and I look and it's bubbling like an artesian well up out of there and the jewels and minerals and all those things are replaced on that empty shelf that I just swept clean, replaced again. And this treasury is so deep and so vast, I can't even see the back wall. I can't see the walls to either side. And I look up to the ceiling and I can't even see that. This thing is full. God's blessings and his resources are limitless. What does he need from us to be able to repay this? We can't. And this is what Peter was telling Simon. You think that your money can buy this gift? Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter, for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. Remember what the scripture tells us. Where your treasure is, so shall ye heart be. So if your treasure is temporal, tempor temporary, and in this world, that's where your heart's going to be. Your heart's going to chase your treasure. That's why it tells us, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then all these things shall be added unto you. The desires of your heart will be made known. I share with you that God provides what I need, and occasionally he allows a want. He is a good, good father. And he desires that we not perish and that we not die from these stumbling blocks and things that are around. This is why the Holy Spirit guides our steps. And God does not desire that we perish, but that we spend eternity with him. He loves us that much. The devil looks to destroy and that we would perish. That's his only desire. And I share with you again, why is that? Because he used to live in heaven. He knows what's there. And it really makes him angry. It ticks him off that God is offering this to us freely. Satan's jealousy and rage is so deep and so dense. He cares nothing for anyone except that they die and perish, that they will physically die separated from God. This is why the spirit of the air has us wandering around with these cellular telephones that some, so many have become so enthralled with that they walk into moving traffic, they drive paying no attention whatsoever as to what's going on in the road around and that they ignore one another. I mean, in the midst of a throng that people are face into that and they're walking, they'll walk into things. They walk into other people. They walk into signs. They walk into trees. They trip and fall because they're so involved with this silly thing they can't put it down for a moment's time. The draw is away from one another and into places that we shouldn't be. 
this device that I use now that God allows me to share this platform on, his platform and his podcast that he has brought me into to allow me to share and be about his business. But let me tell you, there is darkness in this thing. Oh my goodness, there is darkness. But back to the accent that Peter is explaining to Simon that he has no ma- he has no part in that matter. In the matter of the Holy Spirit, he has no part in that. Why? Because he's tied up in his money and he's trying to buy everything he can. But he's paid for his bewitchment and his sorcery. He got paid for that. So he's the money that he actually stole from the people, he's trying to spend and buy the gift of the Holy Spirit from the apostles, from God. That money earned in sin, he thinks he's going to be able to buy the gift of God. This is why Peter rebukes him and tells. And Peter also tells him further, verse 22, Repent therefore for this wickedness, and pray God that perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee. For I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. So, Simon is so bound up and bitter and resentful for so many things that he is actually doing what he's doing to to get back at. Or so he thinks. That's his perception. And he's in the bond of iniquity. Iniquity is a gross injustice or wickedness, violation of right or the duty to do the right thing as we that are true believers and true Christians and not by title only, we are called to do that thing. We are told to share with each other, to do right by our neighbors We're told to do that thing, but this man is not performing that way. He's getting paid for any service, but it's in he's bound in his iniquities. Then answered Simon and said, Pray ye to the Lord for me that none of these things which ye have spoken come upon me. So Simon is repentant, but whether he fulfills that or not, he just he, he could have been saying that to, to Peter just to be said. But it sounds as if he has a repentant heart. He doesn't want any of those things. Peter rebuked him pretty harshly, told him that he can't buy the gift of the Holy Spirit and that he has to have faith in God first. And so Simon wants it he has desire so as with many of us that we sort of we stumble a lot and some of us more than others but here's the thing God does not want perfection he does not expect perfection from us in any way shape or form you have to understand that there is no perfection in this world. There are a lot of people that think that they're perfect this and perfect that, and they use the term 
oh, that's just, that's just perfect, and I walk that way, I go that way, and I do that. that. That is perfect. Well, no, it's not, because in this world, there's nothing perfect until he who is perfect has come. And that means that Jesus Christ is the perfect. And until he returns, there is nothing perfect on the face of this earth. There is nothing perfect. Now, let me counter that by saying the things that God creates and he puts out here for us and all this, they are. I mean, the appearance and things that he does for us to enjoy. The beauty of the nature that is around us, but as far as our being perfect, it's not happening. Those things that God put out here because he gave us our free will choice so that we would preferably choose to be with him and want to have faith in him and follow him and follow the teachings of Jesus Christ and the, and the leading of the Holy Spirit. That's a preference. And he wants that for us. He, he does. He genuinely wants that for us. But we, he wants us to choose that. But sadly, that there are many, as I was sharing there in the book of Acts, that are out here to do this terrible nastiness that's going on around. And their heart is in their earthly treasures, so therefore they have no part and parcel of what God desires or how they treat one another. You look at the elected officials that are going out there in these days and you see what's going on. The nation is being given away part and parcel. And, and the Bible talks about, I can't share with you enough on how many of these scriptures that are talking about Jerusalem and the nation of God's people, when they turn their back on him and how it's almost a photocopy of what we're going through now. The nation is being given away. It's in flames. Our widows and our orphans are being ignored. And the things that are going on, these programs that they that these elected officials testify will save the people and we're doing this for the good of the people. Excuse me? When you walk into a store and you see it's virtually, the, el- the shelves are virtually empty, and we had at one time an administration that was declaring the leadership of God and trying to do the right thing. And every time there was something going on that the leaders were in prayer. There wasn't shortage, but yet you have now, you have a nation that has primarily turned its back on Lord God. We are no longer one nation under God. There is so much derisiveness Hatred and separation by skin tone, which God doesn't care anything about. He only cares about the character of the heart. And what kind of character do you have in your heart? Are you uplifting your neighbor? Are you helping your neighbor? Are you ignoring the color of their skin? And are you being driven by the kindness and compassion that Jesus Christ had for us and has for us now? Because it is told in the scriptures that Jesus Christ acts in our stead as a high spirit, as a high priest and a high spirit, and he prays for us continually, intercessory prayer for us continually. And even these egregious 
elected officials that are doing terrible things to this nation. They're tearing this country apart. They're tearing this nation apart. And yet you have individuals that just blindly follow them and blindly do everything that they say because, oh, they're in charge now. Well, only in their mind's eye because they have wrested the sovereignty of Lord God Almighty and they declare themselves to be in charge. And then those foolish people that blindly follow them and say, well, yeah, they know better. They're elected, forgetting completely that it is of the people, by the people, and for the people that they are actually our employees. It's pretty sad. It's hurtful. And this nation is being absolutely ripped apart for this. We can be one nation under God again. We can pray repentance and that God turn his face on us, but we have to get the churches involved in this. But there are many that have these perverse individuals that are preaching from the pulpit. So that is a difficult thing to get done. But once those churches repent and they become back and teaching the truth and knowledge and wisdom of Lord God Almighty. But even these egregious elected officials, we are told in the first letter that Paul wrote to Timothy, and I remind you again, and I've shared this with you before, Paul writes in chapter 2, I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplication, supplications, prayers, intercessions, the giving of thanks be made for all men. So the prayers that we offer, intercessory prayer, are those prayers that are offered in their, on their behalf because they don't pray. They don't pray. They're not in prayer. Might have, used to, at one time, possibly. But they don't. Now they could care less. But we can pray intercessory prayers for them. We can offer supplication to God. Entreat God to repair their hearts. For the Holy Spirit to reach down and grab on and squeeze. Driving the conviction in their heart. To repent or to look and see what they're doing so terribly wrong. And to get forgiveness. And remember brothers and sisters that conviction... Biblically speaking, has nothing to do with conviction as we look at it in our definition. Being convicted and going to prison or like these perverts try to teach that God has has, uh, condemned us and convicted us to be guilty of not accepting Jesus Christ and we're going to hell. Well, it doesn't work that way. If you refuse to accept and you do this thing, your free will choice that God gave us all... If you choose to ignore the word of God and you choose to rebuke Jesus Christ and you refuse to repent and have faith in God and ask the Holy Spirit to guide your steps, if you refuse all those things by your choice, then you have condemned yourself. God's not condemning you. He's giving you a free gift and an offer to repent and be saved. Very simple. You go and you say, God, 
when Jesus came, he said that we can do this. And he said that through him, we can talk to you. I want to have belief that Jesus Christ is your only begotten son. I want to have faith in you, God, that what he taught is true and what you teach is true and that the Holy Spirit will guide my steps. I want to have those things. I call for that change in my life now. In the name of Jesus, amen. That's all you have to do. It's a very simple prayer, a simple prayer. I offer that seed of thought for you. I'm not going to save you. I can't. I can offer you the words that the Bible tells us, and it's his truth and his knowledge and his wisdom that he allows to come and be filtered through me, a conduit of his word, and you can go you can go on your own and then the holy spirit will come the spirit of jesus christ will come and god will save you it will be done why because my faith in my god tells me that it will be done and he's told me it will be done and i have faith in that So we need to pray for the kings and for all that are in authority and we may lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and honesty. For this is a good and acceptable thing in the sight of God who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. Right there is a rebuke for those perverts that get up on the stage behind their dice and convince their congregation that God has condemned us all to hell. What does this word right here tell you in 1 Timothy and the letter that Paul writes to his protege Timothy and explains to him, we still have to pray for these individuals. They're not doing their job properly. They have ignored their oath of office and they decide to walk out on their own they're stumbling and falling and they're treating the people terribly. They're running the government terribly. Yes, that is all happening. My perception is, and it has nothing to do with any party line at all. At all. It's only calling for them to do the right thing. And the right thing is to remember the oath of office and to remember where they came from and remember as to who they work for. But sadly, the citizenry, all the people in this country have forgotten that same thing. Who do they work for? They think they're elected, so they're in charge, and they do whatever they want to do now, and there's nothing we can do about it. Oh, yeah, there is. Oh, yeah, there is. We can pray intercessory prayers. We can offer supplications to God and thankful to him for what he's done. And right here in verse 4, chapter 2, Paul writes that the Lord God, this, this is a good and acceptable thing in the sight of God, our Savior, who will have that all men to be saved and come unto the knowledge of the truth. What is the truth? The truth, the knowledge and wisdom of God Almighty as is written in the Bible.
The Bible is our instruction manual and it is the truth. For there is one God, one mediator between God and men, that the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. For God so loved the world, not one color tone, one not skin tonation, but through the character of the heart that you choose to believe that Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God and have faith in God and that the Holy Spirit will guide our steps. And I declare these words from Paul as my own, whereunto I am ordained a preacher and an apostle. I speak the truth in Christ and not lie, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and verity. I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. I declare those words to be truth and to be mine, the authority that I have been given through Christ Jesus and the Lord God Almighty who allows me to be in this treasury to declare his truth, to share his truth, his knowledge and his wisdom. And those things that I share are his. That the Holy Spirit guides these words. Brothers and sisters, it's an important thing that we have this. And we have to remember that there are things that are going on in this world that were foretold in the Bible. Jesus Christ shared it. But the truth is that we have also a shelter. And it was declared by David in one of his poems. And we should remember this also. It's also written, interestingly, if you go to Psalm 27, and then also in Isaiah 50. It's almost verbatim. Hashem. Remember, I'm, I'm reading from the old scripture, and that word Hashem is Lord God. You declare that, that Hashem, Lord God, is my light and my help. Whom should I fear? Hashem is the stronghold of my life. Whom should I dread? When evil men shall assail me to devour my flesh, it is they, my foes, my enemies, who stumble and fall. So David talks about the strength of the Lord. He is our shelter. That there are none that we should fear because our Lord God is our help and he is our hope. And I am looking for that. Whoops, sorry. I went too far, I think. I did. Sorry about that.
in the book of Isaiah, if we look in verse chapter 50 and verse 7, the similitude in the wording, but Hashem will help me. Therefore, I feel no disgrace. Therefore, I have set my face like flint, and I know I shall not be shamed. So actually, this is twofold. This is a a twofold testament. But it says the same thing that David was speaking about, that God is our help. He is our refuge. He is our shelter. He is our stronghold. He is our, our shield in the times of trouble and those things that go on. Faith in God that he is there for us as he's promised. I have a sneeze coming on. <coughs> sorry, brothers, sisters, sorry about that. The interruption. But God is our stronghold. He is our fortress. He is our guide. He is our strength. And he has promised all of those things for us. Brothers and sisters, we just have to seek his face. Stay in the word. Study to show ourselves approved. Because that is the good and righteous thing to do. And that we pray for all. Even these that have taken the authority that they have been given and they've taken it a step too far and that you open the eyes of those around that are allowing this because quite honestly this is what's taking place allowance do you allow the white noise and interference of satan to in to uh guide your steps or do you allow the holy spirit and the speech from heaven to come in and speak to you and guide your steps. Which are you? Being fearfully driven by the liar? Being fearfully driven by the minions of Satan and allowing the untruth to lead you in your steps? The white noise interference from Satan? Or are you in prayer For the repentance of this nation so that we can become one nation under God? Are you there or are you there? And now somebody's going to say, oh, what's that supposed to mean? Well, are you there in the light or are you there in the dark? Which are you doing? Are you following the Holy Spirit? And remember this, don't ever forget this because this is also from the white noise of Satan, which he wants you to be discouraged, he wants you to be dismayed, he wants you to throw up your hands and just say, I can't do this anymore because God is not going to listen to me. Look what I just did. God's not going to listen to me. God knows you're not perfect. God wants you to come to him in all your scars, your brokenness. You fall down and you trip and you bust your grill. So what? God doesn't care as long as you turn back to him And you have a repentant heart and you desire to walk in the proper direction again. That's all God cares about, your heart. And people will point out David. Well, God knew that, but God still called David a a man 
after my own heart. David knew that he was not perfect. He knew that he was weak. He knew he was scarred and battered and broken and stuff, but he always turned to God. He declared that God is our refuge. He declared that God is our strength. God is our guide. God is our protector. God will lead. God does love. Every single time that he fell, he still got back and he went up to God's house with his hands up and he prayed to God And this man declared time and time and time again the truth in God the Father. I am not by any means a perfect individual, and I trip and I fall, and Satan immediately, his minions will pounce. Oh my gosh, those scorpions and those snakes, they move really quick. As soon as I hit the pavement, before I have a chance to get back up, they're they're there, and those that white noise that they produce as they come in to to gather and attack. But I pray to God, my Father, my God, Hashem, Lord God, Abba Yahweh, Father, Maker of all things made. And I pray the guidance, and every time, and I have to remember, and and what it says is, um, oh gosh, I forget where that was now, but it doesn't matter how many times we have to do it, and how many times we have to ask for forgiveness, it doesn't matter that, it does not matter how many times We need to remember that we have to do it each and every single time. And sometimes what the devil tries to get us to do is is to believe that God isn't listening, but we have to remember that things are in God's time. And sometimes we may seem, as in this reading I was sharing, um, being in uh, yesterday, that God doesn't show up, quote unquote, when we want him to. But see, it's not in our in our want and our desire. It's in God simply defers his performance. And this is from uh, this is from a uh, an early 18th century minister, Matthew Henry. God simply defers the performances at times in order to teach us the concept of active. Waiting. His desires for us not to serve, to stop serving, simply because we're waiting for his answer. We keep serving. We keep sharing the word. We keep sharing the truth. And remember what it says in uh, Isaiah that to wait upon the Lord. And sometimes we have to wait and wait and wait. Don't get anxious and try to jump out ahead of time, but that we wait for his guidance and direction. The answer comes in his time, not in our time, in his time. Don't sit there tapping the back of your watch and tapping your foot on the floor and, you know, being like the like the children were in a back seat. Are we there yet? 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 When are we going to get there? We there yet? We there yet? We there yet? Don't get like that with God. Where are you? Where are you? Where are you? You coming yet? You on your way? You coming yet? You on your way? 
I prayed 10 minutes ago. Well, yeah, God's timing is not our timing. And his delay may be serving a very intended specific purpose. Perhaps it is that God sees that you are that very way. So the delay is intended to slow that action down and that the Holy Spirit is trying to guide you to that way. And lo and behold, you have the, you have an epiphany. Well, maybe I shouldn't be waiting there. Maybe I should just say, let me get in the book of Isaiah and see what Isaiah says. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall renew their strength. They shall run and not be weary. Walk and not faint. Hmm. So, seems to me that it would be a whole lot better if I wait for God because when I go out there on my own, I get winded, I get tired, I huff and I puff and I blow the house down. And that's just because I'm laying on my side, worn out from everything that's going on and I'm breathing deeply and heavily and the neighbor's house blows over. Goodness gracious. Calm down, brothers and sisters, it's okay. Wait on the Lord. It's a good thing. He loves us. He gives us so many gifts and his resources do not run out. Have a blessed day, my brothers and sisters. And for those that have not taken the opportunity, just pray to God. Accept that Jesus Christ is his only begotten son. That opportunity is there. And I pray that you accept that. And you pray that prayer. It's really easy planting this seed and that the Holy Spirit would grab on to you and get you in that direction. Have a great day. I pray for you on my going out and my coming in.